Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, what's going on? Well, we're we're can't believe it, but we're getting we're getting closer and closer to uh, to the season football. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're like almost there, basically. Uh, media days are starting this week. I think I saw uh, maybe Big Twelve is, is this week. I, I think some of the conferences are already going right now. Um, by the next time we record, uh, you will have talked to Derek King and Manny Diaz and Bubba Bolden and Mike Harley because. We are less than a week out from uh, ACC media days, which really, um, in a lot of ways, is the kind of the start of the season, right? Uh, it'll obviously be, I guess, another yeah. week basically until practices start. But uh, it's when we can really like kind of start talking about football and, and start really thinking about what um, you know the the conference landscape, division landscape is going to look like. Uh, so that's what we're going to start today. Like I said, this is the last time we're recording before. Uh, you head up to Charlotte, right? It's in Charlotte now, not Raleigh. Yes, Charlotte. And that's yeah. where it's, yep. Been for a while now, yeah. So you head up to Charlotte yeah. uh, next week. Uh, like I said, Derek King will be talking. Three players per team, so it's Derek King, Mike Harley, Bubba Bolden, uh, and then obviously uh, Manny Diaz. Um, not necessarily a surprising group of players. I would say the one, the one thing is if you're sending Derek King there, you're probably feeling pretty good about him, uh, being ready for the opener. Um, which is, I think what we've kind of expected now for a little while. Yes. Um, at least that, you know, that's the storyline. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, 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 I fully believe he, he will be starting, um, that game against Alabama, uh, what exact shape he will be in, none of us know. None of us can really know that, except for him, except for UM. Um, and even, you know, even, even when, he, when he gets on the field, you know, it's, that's, that's going to be the, the big mystery. How, how does he actually do his cutting and his, um, you know, the, the, stuff that he's been so famous for and so great at. So I think we're, we're all waiting to see. That's the big, the big question mark. Yeah. That's the kind of thing, obviously we, we just straight up won't know at all until the season starts um, or, or at least until you know, who knows what we're going to get to see from practice, but just, right. You're not going to learn that from media days, right? You're, he's not going to, he's not doing drills there. So uh, no, and, he, and I, and I, yeah, I doubted practice. I, I, we still don't know what the situation is with the media, um, but um, I don't know. I can't imagine they're going to let us see too much if we do get to see anything. Yeah, yeah, they're going to, I mean, especially ahead of the opener, they're going to try to hide as much as they can, essentially. Right. Um, to, you know, once once you see one game, you kind of know what a team looks like a little bit. But obviously, they're trying to hide as much as they can from Alabama. But of course, at the same time, there's not going to be a whole lot of surprises with this team, right? Considering how many guys are back, um, right? And that that's kind of feels like probably the the, the biggest storylines when you head out to media days. I'm sure number one will be the NIL stuff. You know, just every player is gonna get asked about that. It's the first time we've really been it. Well, anyone's really been able to talk to players about this. Um, that'll definitely be one thing. And, and for Miami, 
you know, I, I think the biggest storyline, like, you know, you, you think of sitting around those tables and, and guys from North Carolina radio stations come over and they've got their like boilerplate questions that the players end up answering over and over again. And, and with Miami, you know, maybe opening against Alabama is definitely going to be one of them, but it kind of feels like the, the big theme is probably going to be the idea of bringing this, basically this entire roster back, you know, other than uh, Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche and uh, Jose Borregales, basically, um, you know, this, this team is pretty much intact from last year. Um, and certainly, you know, most, most of the stars, the faces of the team, guys like Derek, guys like Harley, like, like Bubba Bolden are, are all, all back. And, and there's, there's going to be lofty expectations because of it. Yes, um, for sure. There are, there, there are a few, um, you know, subjects that stand out, uh, you know, for these media days. And it's, you're so right about the, the same questions, but that's, you know, there are going to be a zillion people there and they will be asking, excuse me, the same questions. And yeah, the, the amount of players they're going to have and the amount of veterans they're going to have is like no other year. Um, so for us, that's important for the beat writers. Um, I also, I'm interested about the COVID factor. Um, you know, the Big 12, as you said, are having their media days this week. And uh, the, uh, the AD of Kansas State, Gene Taylor, um, said, I believe yesterday, that the, the Big 12 um, will probably not allow teams to postpone or cancel games for any reasons in 2021. Um, and uh, meaning if they, I think if there's too many kids with COVID or whatever, um, they're just gonna have to forfeit. This is gonna be a whole different type of season. And um, uh, that's, you know, I, and they, they also Notre Dame um, announced that, uh, that the, the media, all media for all athletic events, not just football must be fully vaccinated. Um, and they're going to have full capacity of fans at the, you know, at the games, just like yeah. the well, yeah, every sporting event in the world right now is basically at full or in the United States, I should say the Olympics are going to have zero fans, but, uh, in the U S I think every major sport sporting event now is basically full capacity. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, David, that, you know, that, so, so the media has to be fully vaccinated. And, and I think, I think the dolphins have done that too, right? Yeah. There's a fine. Uh, might have passed and the Marlins to be on the field during uh, uh, batting practice. You have to be vaccinated. Although, of course, not in Florida, no one can officially ask for this, so it's like an honor system. Well, right, okay, okay, true. And uh, Notre Dame is making everyone bring their vaccination card. Yeah, I mean, certain states, you're like, like I'm going to Philly uh, tomorrow for right um, to cover a Marlin series. And I need to show my vaccine or proof of vaccination uh, to go on the field there. Whereas in Miami, they're just taking my word for it. So well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So yeah, everyone has different rules. So it'll be interesting to see what Miami is allowed to do um, because, you know, the MLB well, policy is, um, and again, this is all me, like who cares? It's media stuff. No one really cares about this. We should probably get off this topic quickly, but, um, <laughs> but um, okay. like, the MLB policy is that um, media, the, the baseball, the BBWA policy is that 
media has to show proof of vaccination um, to be allowed on the field. But in certain states, uh, Florida among them, um, that's against the law that the, that the governor signed. Yeah. So um, they just, well, it's a counter system, basically. We can get off that topic, but I just thought it was interesting that, that uh, obviously fans, you know, they, they don't really care about the fans getting COVID. I, I understand. Yeah. Let's get off that topic, but, the, but they want to protect the players. And the one thing I do want to ask, this is on topic with the vaccine is, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how many uh, hurricanes have been vaccinated. Um, that's kind of interesting, knowing what we went through last year and knowing th- this new strain, you know, yeah, of course, uh, the Delta. And and I, I think the last I had read about it was that Alabama had was approaching 75 percent of their team vaccinated mm-hmm. and of the players. And UM Blake James had said uh, sometime this summer that he wasn't sure of the numbers, but he was hoping for that much. So um I don't know. I think it's just all very interesting. I don't know if the University of Miami, like Notre Dame, is making all their students, every one of them, be fully yeah. vaccinated to, to be on campus. So uh, we'll we'll see about that. But that that effect, think how much that affected the season last year. Oh my God! Yeah, and and like I know it's something you that at this stage of the the pandemic, like you should not be getting derailed by. COVID, right? Like the, the vaccine is readily available. Like, um, you know, even if not everyone has it, a, a good enough percentage of the team should have it where, you know, maybe every once in a while there's going to be a breakthrough infection. Like, like you, you know, Chris Paul missed a couple of games in the NBA finals, even though, or NBA playoffs, even though he was reportedly fully vaccinated in, in COVID protocol. We don't know if he had it or, or what, but it can happen still. But then you see uh, sticking with the Phillies, uh, coincidentally, uh, they have a COVID outbreak right now. Their starting third baseman tested positive for COVID uh, and is going to miss a couple of weeks. And a bunch of their players um, were caught in COVID protocols. And and you know, I saw the Athletic reported they're one of the few MLB teams that is under the eighty-five percent uh, vaccination threshold, which is like kind of what the league set as like the target, where once you hit that, wow. um, you're allowed to like kind of have a little bit more freedom from the COVID protocols, you know, testing less frequently, stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, I know people don't want to be thinking about COVID anymore and and don't want to think that vaccines and that kind of stuff will still affect the season. But um, especially in college football, where one loss can derail your whole season, um, you know, it's hard to imagine that there's not going to be some team that, gets affected by it in some capacity unless the, the vaccination rates keep going up uh, after, you know, they've really stagnated, obviously oh. nationwide in the summer. And, yeah. To finish this topic, I mean, look at North Carolina state, right. The college world yeah. series. Yeah, right. Exactly. So. Yes. Yeah, so you know, you just, so big. That's all it, it was. So, I mean, come on. It's just, our lives have all been affected one way or the other, even you know, yeah, remember Miami played one fewer game than they were supposed to last year because of COVID. Like it was, a, it was a big, big, big part of that last season. I know, um, you know, it, it can be yeah. easy to forget because of ultimately like we had a national champion, like the teams that were supposed to be really good still were the teams were supposed to be really good. Miami didn't necessarily lose any games, like just, you know, in the loss column because of COVID, but they lost a full game. They, they didn't play one of their games because of COVID and they never made it up. So, um, you know, it's, 
it was a part of last season. It should be obviously much less of a part of this season, um, but, but it still could be a part. Um, as far as, you know, like we said, this is obviously the first time you're getting to talk to players uh, in, in a long time. Um, you know, Derek will be the focus of, of conversation, obviously his rehab, stuff like that. Um, For sure. But just kind of you, what, what are, not to give away what you're going to write next week, but, but what are a couple, couple things you're going up to Charlotte next week? Um, you know, kind of looking forward to asking about. Well, I, I mean, obviously NIL, uh, Derek is, is going to be gathered around Derek. I, I do want to know about his rehab process, where he is now. Um, we'll be asking specific questions. Um, want to know about the about all his receivers and and you know mike mike harley's going to be there too and like you said bubba bowl and a safety um you know there are lots of receivers um you know what what's going on with that position um just i mean Derek is kind of psychologically how how is he feeling um you know just, just, just his thoughts on everything going on, and you know, and the state of uh, the state of Miami, and um, you know, which what they th- I want to ask the kids what they think of the pl- the twelve team playoff situation. Yeah. yeah, that'll be an interesting topic because I think didn't Mac Brown like said his players are against it, but like who knows if his players are actually against it? If it was just something <laughs> Mac Brown was saying, like uh, that'll be that'll be uh, obviously one of the big big yeah. questions and- to ask. And Alabama, I mean, come on, it's it's soon. I, yeah. I wanna, yes, <laughs> it's soon. Well, you know, I want to know about what they're thinking about being eighteen point underdogs. Um, just, uh, just uh, you know, David, this time of year, everybody always says, "Oh, another fluffy." You know, the Canes saying that they really feel it's going to be different this year, and I, I can tell you already what's what they're going to say. And they really feel that this class is closer than any other class. I mean, it's it's every year they say that, and it's not just UM; it's all all the college players, and they should feel that way. You know, there's nothing but you know they're oh and uh, they're zero and zero. You know, they have everything to look forward to at this point, so they should be upbeat. You would hope they would be, and. Um, you know, that's how it all starts out until things start unfolding. Uh, you know, I, they're going to be briefed by, by UM. And, um, but, but people like Derek King and Mike Harley and even Bubba, they're pretty mature, right? And they, they, they pretty, are, pretty much are candid. So um, just I'm just looking forward to seeing everybody and seeing the other teams. I mean, I'm gonna focus on Miami, but you know, all the all the ACC teams will be there. North Carolina, Sam Howell will be there. Um, you know, this that's one of their biggest obstacles now. North Carolina, obviously, and uh, you know, Virginia Tech always is, and Florida State will be there, who they've beaten I think four years in a row now, if I have it right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so um, it's the same old thing, but yet it's it's, it's fresh. So uh, I'm just 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 looking forward to it. There's a lot, there's been a lot of news 
over the past several months. So we'll, you know, we'll see how they respond. Are you, uh, you know, it's been a while since you've had an ACC media days. Are you excited to just like be around other ACC media and stuff like that? Like just yeah, get back I am. I was, yeah, I was thinking about that. It should be really fun. No, I was, I've been thinking about that a lot, actually. Like, yeah, it'll be, most, it'll be the most normal thing you've covered, certainly, right? Like, kind of, yeah. Okay. yeah like, I'm starting to feel like baseball is kind of normal again. Like, we're on the field pregame, like, uh, like all the, we don't have to wear masks all the time anymore. I'm sure, but, you know, this is going to be a, there's going to be a lot of people like, it's going to, it's going to feel a little, it's going to still feel uh, COVID y, I'm sure, but it's, it's going to also feel a little bit like 2019 again. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, think about it. No, we weren't allowed to go to baseball games. You on baseball games, yeah. football was on TV and who know, you know, they still haven't announced the protocol for this year. So I'm not sure how it's going to be, but I, I, it will be fun, uh, to see people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one last thing on just the, the guys who are going Mike Harley and Bubba yeah. Bolden, as we said, not, uh, we've talked a lot about Derek, not, but not surprising to see those two guys either. Um, especially Mike Harley, who, who really seems like he's going to be like the leader kind of like the, other than Derek King, he's probably like in a lot of ways, the face of this team. Um, but yeah. Bubba, I thought, you know, not, again, not surprising, but he's a guy that I think we've talked a lot about the fact that he has to be kind of the star of this defense, the, um, the leader on, on defense with, with so many uh, young guys up front, obviously um, mm-hmm. the linebacker situation really unsettled. I guess they got some better in cornerbacks, but, but obviously you know, DJ Ivy and, and Al Blades have had their ups and downs. Um, but it's a good indication, I think, of, of that the Bubba is going to be, you know, we kind of, we always joke about like the guys who we just know are going to like talk every week, right? Like, because <laughs> Miami like kind of picks out the guys to like be the team spokespeople. And uh, it seems like we're heading toward Bubba Bolden being that guy this year. Yeah, for sure. And he's a, he's a, he's a great talker, I think. I mean, sometimes, not so much, but usually he says what he feels, and um, uh, yeah, I, I he is one of the one of the older ones, um, and uh, you know, um, and I he's definitely how could he not start right? He's going to be one of the starters, um, and I what's interesting is by the way, I, they still have Amari Carter listed as a safety even though supposedly he's for sure, you know, now a striker, which probably is. Um, but yeah, I, I'll be, I love talking to Bubba and he's, you know, he's friends with, he has a, all that, that Las Vegas connection. Right. So um, uh, yeah, I mean, all of them and, and Mike Harley is uh, he's, I, I agree with you. I think, I think Mike Harley is going to be really good this year. What do you think about that? I think not only just as a leader, I just have this sense he's going to really break out even more. I, I could see him. I mean, they have a lot of receivers, but I could see him uh, surpassing a thousand yards. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, a thousand yards is, is going to be tricky. Um, I mean, when's the last time Miami had a thousand yard receiver? Like, I know this offense, obviously, like last year, if, if you take Mike Harley, like his second half of the season and extrapolate it over a full season, it's probably close to a 1,000 yard season. Um, but I think, I mean, it could, like, it'll, it'll all depend on the other receivers, right? And that's what, you know, 
they've only really got one tight end that we know is a proven commodity. Whereas last year, Brevin was, was eating up a lot of catches, obviously. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it, I think it kind of hinges on the other receivers, but either way, I mean, what he's probably going to come out of this career, this season as the, as Miami's all time leader in receiving yards, which obviously gets the benefit of the, and you know, an extra full season uh, because of COVID. But um, right. I don't think anyone would have seen that come in early in his career. Right. Like when he was, you know, he was a pretty good recruit coming in and um, you know, a good player throughout most of his career. But um, you know, that that's a, I mean, there's been some really good wide receivers who have come through the university of Miami. Um, and um, yeah, I, I know you love Mike. You, you uh, he's a guy you've written a, a lot about. So it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch. You know, you can tell Miami fans like love him, right. He's a, you know, obviously a local kid, like so many guys are, has been all about Miami forever. And, and he's got that, like that passion, right. He's, he's, uh, he's not, he's kind of old school, right. He's, he's got some of that old school cane to him. Yeah, he does. He's again, another candid kid. who will tell you how he feels. Um, I, I'm not sure. And I haven't looked this up, but it might've been Alan Hearns who was the last thousand that, yard. That might be right. Um, and I think all time, right. For one season. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, that might be right. I can look it up real quick. This is great radio. <laughs> I think Alan Hearns. Um, uh, let's see. 1000 yard seasons. Receiving yards, single season. Um, yeah, Alan Hearns, who is, yeah, the all-time, 1,162. There's only been four all-time. Hearns, Hankerson, Eddie Brown, and Andre Johnson. So that's a pretty good uh, pretty good list to be on if you can crack that top. Number Very six of the all-timers, Amon got really close to his, his freshman year. Or was his freshman year? Yeah, his freshman year, right? Nine thirty-four. So he would have yeah. done it, obviously. If, uh, oh my God, he was so talented. So, all right, um, let's take a quick funny. break though, um, and uh, we will come back. And um, we took last week off, so we got some NIL stuff to catch up on, some recruiting stuff to catch up on. We'll uh, we'll bounce around a couple of topics before we finish up here. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. Uh, we are back. Uh, as I said, we took last week off. So, uh, you know, last time we recorded was day one of the NIL era. And we talked a lot about kind of our expectations of what, what this might look like. Uh, now we are basically two weeks in and we've kind of uh, started to see a, a little bit more. And obviously the Miami has kind of been um, 
kind of the biggest story of the NIL era, I would say. Dear King, obviously, on that, that day one really kicked a lot of it off. Um, and we talked a lot about that last week. Um, and then, and then, or sorry, two weeks ago. And then last week, uh, American top team, a, a UFC team uh, based out of uh, Coconut Creek, um, has some, some big fighters on their roster, including a uh, noted Miami fan, Jorge Masvidal. Um, does what I believe is, uh, and obviously not all the numbers are public on this kind of stuff, but was it was basically reported as uh, the biggest NIL deal so far. Uh, potentially, it could amount to as much as $540,000 because uh, they're basically giving everyone on the team, um, which is 90 scholarship players now, I guess, which um, – I guess that's because of COVID. They still are, are a little over the, the number. Um, right. Giving each of those players a, a guaranteed, basically a, a guarantee, right? Like uh, of like 6,000 a year, I think, um, or, or monthly. But it is uh, not surprising <laughs> that someone did this. Not uh, A lot of people are joking, obviously. Not surprising that Miami was the first ones to figure this out. But, um, you know, it's we, we talked a little bit about the madness that could be coming. And, and this is like the first toe dipped into the water of, of potential NIL NIL madness. What, what do you think of that? Um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I'm not sure how much any of this is going to have an effect on. Um, well, on the actual companies that do it. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, not, I kind of agree with that. <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to really benefit that much. Um, I think it's going to be really fun for them because obviously the companies that do that uh, are ones that are invested already uh, as fans, I think, mostly of UM, you know, booster type people, uh, UM alum, boosters, fans, whatever. Um, I, I think it, I think it $1,000 a month, which is supposedly if they do, if each of the guys do sign contracts, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I would take a thousand a month <laughs> extra, um, you know, for a lot of these guys, that's that, that, that could, that could really, really help. Um, again, I have the same concerns, questions, whatever that I've told you for the last few weeks is that is, uh, I don't know, is it how much will all of this affect their um, concentration, I guess you would say, when it comes to football? I, I know, I guess they don't really have to do that much as far as their responsibilities, social media, right. tweets, whatever, uh, appearances. So, but I, I, I understand that, but I'm just wondering with their you know, like everything else with us and stuff, you have more responsibilities and your brain gets more filled up and you start worrying about things or thinking about things and planning things. And I just, I'm wondering, uh, I don't know. Again, we, we have yet to see if it will affect and we won't really know, like, what are they going to be thinking about now during how many of them are going to be thinking, oh man, I don't, you know, maybe they don't have time to do the extra ball machine thing because they've got to do something else. But I might be, I might be exaggerating all that. It might not be as big a deal as I think maybe it could, could possibly get in the way of their football. What do you think about it? I think it's going to be, everyone's different, right? It's the same with it. Like, I I kind of think if you're going to get distracted by that, you're going to get distracted by something else. 
is the way I kind of feel. Gotcha. Like I know it's it's an extra responsibility, but like, you know, Maybe. if you're if you're if you were the kind of guy who's probably not responsible enough to juggle to juggle all that kind of stuff, you probably also were we're gonna have trouble juggling that with some other thing you would be doing to fill the time. Um, and I think you know I think there's also going to be. So the one thing, with, yeah, the one thing with the, the American top team deal and the idea of giving every player on the team a, a contract basically is like, it's, I mean, we, like we kind of joke that like it, capital, like this is finally capitalism coming, not even joke, this is finally capitalism coming uh, and working its way into, into college athletics and uh, it's sort of anti-capitalist, right? The American top team deal. Like the reason that Derek King is the guy making all this this money is, because he's the biggest star and he's, you know, the, and he's the biggest star because he's the best player and he's the quarterback and most valuable to the team. Um, And I think that, you know, that ultimately is where this is going to wind up eventually. Um, And that is why that I I don't worry as much about like the, the concentration, right. The guys who are to get, to get these deals, you're going to have to be good. And to be good, you're going to have to be able to, you know, like they're not just going to be given for the most part, they're not just going to be giving out um, big endorsement deals to, to guys off of potential. You know, you'll see it probably sometimes and probably more in basketball with the one and done stuff. But um, you know, for the most part, I think guys are going to wait until these guys have accomplished something to, to give them money. Um, and, I think you're right. Yeah. I, and after this season. Yeah. This-, this year is kind of like, you know, everyone's getting in on it because like, you know, you just like, it's you know, cool. how, you know how much people have robbed, how many people probably had never heard of American top team before right. uh, last week. And then when they announced that deal, like all of a sudden, like they're ever, they're the first story on ESPN. Like they're, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of publicity just for being involved in the NIL thing and that, that, and that's not going to be there even probably like three months from now. Yeah. Agree. And, and I, again, one, a positive other than the, the players getting some money that they deserve is um, maybe it will convince some of them to stay for that extra year. We talked about yeah. that too. Um, and you know, we, we, so many, so many of the guys are not so many, but yeah, a good amount of kids that are really talented, but just aren't going to get drafted would leave early. And maybe they'll, whomever will find a way to, you know, with that, with this new NIL stuff, maybe they'll actually stay the extra year. And the other, the other, the other thing is the getting the um, ice, the recruits. Yeah. Maybe the boosters or whatever. I mean, it's bottom line is now the young player, the really young players who haven't even played, you put on a uniform yet have to be thinking, you know, that are deciding what school to go to, um, you know, maybe that'll help uh, draw some of them in. Although the big, big stars are still probably going to go yeah. where. Yeah, I don't know if the guarantee of a six thousand, like you know, and yeah. and you know, they've said that this is not going to be like a standing offer. Like six thousand dollars is not going to sway you to go to Miami ahead of Alabama or something. But um, <laughs> right. you know, and the other part of this American Top Team story um, is the idea of like basically making this a market, like a, a marketplace for Miami athletes. Like Dan Lambert, the founder of American Top Team, 
Um, he's also founding that Bring Back the U marketing agency. And that's really kind of the more interesting story here is that he's got this business that he, he's kind of operating now that is entirely designed as like a liaison between Miami athletes and local businesses who want to go uh, sponsor players. And it's, it's, that is the stuff that is more likely to be a recruiting advantage is the idea that if you go to Miami, there is not just this one company is giving you $6,000 is it's the idea that they're everyone in the community wants to be pitching in. And, and, you know, there's, it'll be interesting to see Leah. You know, part of what I, you know, I talked to Dan about this last week and said one thing he envisions is like having basically like fundraisers where like fans will donate money to this bring back the U fund and then they'll give that money to businesses. And then those money, those businesses will use that money um, to, to uh, pay players for endorsements. So like you're basically, it's, it's like almost money laundering, right? It's like right. money going straight from fans through a couple, through a convoluted system, getting to the players. Like, we'll see if that is something the NCAA will crack down on at some point, because it's obviously easy to envision that getting out of hand. But, um, you know, this is what Manny Diaz was hoping for when I, when he, uh, you know, he's been one of the most pro NIL coaches I've, I've seen out there. And, you know, he knows that Miami fans are, are, are a different breed and they're the kind of guys that are, are, uh, you know, willing to like put their own money into the program like this. And, um, you know, you're, you're seeing it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know who, what, what deals are being facilitated through bring back the U and stuff like that. But, you know, you've seen a couple of guys sign with Lamelo's meat market uh, down in, I think it's in South Miami, technically um, with the great Gilbert Frierson photo of him posing with two tomahawk steaks. Like that's the kind of stuff you're going to see more of, right. It's like the local businesses, um, but obviously the, the big crazy deals are the ones that get the headlines so far, you know, the, uh, the, the top team, the, the bring back the U came on Thibodeau reportedly getting a 6 million or six, six figure uh, deal. Uh, I think a memorabilia slash he's got like some NFT. I don't really understand NFTs at all. Um, you know, he's probably has a chance to be the number one pick. So he's kind of set the standard with what one guy can earn, but, but the bring back the U thing is interesting because it's basically like an external, it's part of, it's almost part of the athletic direct department, but working externally from the university um, where, you know, it can be a recruiting advantage if it's something that, first of all, if it's something that the NCAA doesn't crack down on, and if it's something that not every school has, I'm sure a lot of boosters are looking at that and thinking, well, we should get on, in on that, a lot of boosters for other schools. Um, right. But for now, it's, it's an interesting, you know, every, every, it seems like every week is going to bring like some story that people are like, is that really going to be legal? Um, and that's the way I kind of felt about bring back the U, but, um, you know, for now, well, if it's allowed, go do it, right? Yeah, and and Miami and and the Hurricanes, the UM program itself is is definitely getting involved with all these uh, programs or whatever they're initiating. I think they got the the alum uh, the alumni, the former players, former UM football players into it, uh, where they could they could kind of uh, I, I know, use the the U trademark or whatever you call it. Um, yeah, and. Uh, they, they have all these programs now, you know, that UM is uh, initiating. Um, so as to be very pro NIL. And I, I, I also wonder, by the way, David, how, how much um, work this is going to take 
uh, by the by the athletic department and by the coaching staff. Oh, you know? I mean, the, they, I, I was um, talking to a, a friend who works in a different athletic department the other day, and we were talking about the uh, the the way that compliance. The compliance officer's job has changed in like oh, forget it. is insane. Oh. You know, yeah. two weeks ago, the, the their biggest focus is making sure no one was getting paid. Now their biggest focus is making sure that all these deals that the guys are signing is uh is all like going to be allowed by the NCAA. Their job has totally changed in two weeks, and um, and it's too much. It's 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 totally too much. We know that the athletic departments don't have as much money now. Um, after last year, I, it's, um, it's too, it's overwhelming. I think, I don't know how they're going to handle it. They don't have enough people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll, I mean, we'll so, see if will compliance departments even exist in the same way in, in a year once this has changed, like it'll, it'll be really, will there be different, uh, will there be a department within the athletic department that basically says what bring back the U is doing externally uh, is something we want to be doing internally is, is linking our players up with these opportunities and not having them have to go to the outside to do that. Like there, there's going to be, obviously athletic departments are constantly evolving and constantly changing and new positions are being created every year and positions are getting eliminated every year, but um, right. you know, the compliance offices are, are going to have to totally uh, pivot from what they're, they've always done. Right. Which is why the NCAA is kind of staying away right yeah. now. Which I mean, I feel you know I feel for these athletic departments that the NCAA is just totally abdicate. We talked about this going into the NIL, the NCAA just totally abdicated any responsibility, and and now all these schools, um, understandably, are like, what the heck are we supposed to do with all this? Like, and you and you know some of these, you know, the rules are going to change again in six of months. Course. The NCAA sees what has happened and it wants to crack down on on some uh, of the you know, like shadier, sketchier deals that guys are signing and, um, you know, and every athletic department's going to have its own rules. You know, they're going to say, all right, we don't want anyone agreeing, signing on with certain companies or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's going to change again in, you know, by the end of the fall, certainly. And, and going into next season, we're going to be having a whole different conversation about what the NIL uh, laws mean for, for college sports. Absolutely. Should we wrap up uh, with a little bit of recruiting? Um, it's been a sure. kind of underwhelming start to July for Miami. They, they missed out on a bunch of guys July 4th weekend. Um, missed out on a, a four-star linebacker who's going to LSU. Obviously, linebacker, we, we've talked about it a million times, about how, how important that is. Uh, they finally get some good news, though, uh, last Friday, getting uh, Chris Graves, a four-star cornerback from uh, Fort Myers Bishop Verreau. Second straight year, they've gotten a corner out of that school, um, Malik Curtis, last year, uh, who's uh, going to be a freshman this coming season. Um, the way I kind of feel about the recruiting situation is uh, could be worse, uh, could certainly be better, you know, missing out on, but going starting the month basically 0 for 3 on, a, you know, real targets they wanted was, was really tough, especially because, you know, they've kind of been – painting this picture of like we're not pressuring guys we're waiting guys out and then then you basically get this run where you had guys you wanted and a bunch of them go elsewhere uh but getting chris graves certainly makes up for missing out on jacoby spells a little bit on, on july 4th the american heritage corner is going to west virginia instead um and you know now things looking good with maybe getting traquan figgins uh a cornerback from alabama 
um, whose entire family seems to be tweeting Miami pictures uh, every day. So that seems like a good sign, but you know, obviously stranger things have happened in recruiting. Um, but Miami has a chance to have a really good cornerback class. And that is, you know, we, we talked a lot about linebacker recruiting being the biggest need for this team, considering the state of that position. Cornerback, I think, was, was clear number two, just because of how many uh, guys they have missed out on over the last few years. Basically, since that Al Blades, DJ Ivy, uh, Gilbert Frierson was recruited originally as a cornerback before he moved to striker. Since that class of guys, they've, uh, I don't think they've landed a blue chip corner since. And now they've gotten two already in this class and, are, and seem like they're in good shape to add a third. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, uh, things will keep changing. Um, I think the season, it does affect guys. It does. Um, let's see what happens at Alabama game. Mm-hmm. See, you know, I, I think people will maybe want to get in on the action. If UM, you know, plays a, a respectable game and if, and who knows what will happen if UM wins that game. You know, yeah, so yeah, I, I think what I'm saying is just with recruiting, it just keeps changing all the yeah. time. It just keep. I mean, it's hard to, t- it's hard to take seriously until you get closer. Yeah. Um, and Manny at uh, Paradise Camp throwing an absolute shot at Florida State, who's like been one of the hottest teams on the recruiting trail. Um, they're probably the top ranked class in the ACC right now, top five class in the country, um, you know, seem to be getting a recruit every other day throughout June. Um, and, you know, being, they, they've got a huge recruiting department now, it seems like, and being, you know, being very like, you know, they, they, they're the, they're the hot team on the trail, right? It happens. It happened to Miami, uh, back in 2018, a little bit that summer when they were lacking up guys. Um, and man, he was basically like talking about like, we're not pressuring kids. You know, we, we, we don't care about like fake momentum in June. Um, but again, you got to start like getting guys eventually, right? Like, cause I know decommitments happen a lot, but they guys stay committed more frequently than they decommit. So you got to start getting guys. But I think the good sign right now is that, you know, they, they revamped the secondary. Um, obviously they, they lost Efren Banda who went to uh, Utah state to be the defensive coordinator. Um, and then they kind of demoted Mike Rumpf, who's still around, still on staff. I've seen him out at, at the, on campus a lot yeah. over the last month um, and replace basically they, you know, they bring in Travaris Robinson um, and then promote DeMarcus Van Dyke. And that was kind of, you know, a risky move, obviously a guy who had not had a lot of experience as a position coach um, seemed like he was a good recruiter behind the scenes. And, and that move, at least on the recruiting trail, obviously we haven't seen them coach an actual game yet. Uh, definitely seems to be paying off because Travaris Robinson, I think that's the, it, it, I think those two work really well together as a recruiting tandem because T-Rob is like the name. Everyone knows T-Rob. He has a reputation as this great cornerbacks coach and, and he kind of brings guys in like Kamari Roger basically said he was not thinking about Miami at all until they hired T-Rob. Um, but then it seems like once the guys get on campus, they really kind of connect with, with DVD. Obviously he's, got to be one of the youngest position coaches in the country, I would think, um, certainly at a school of Miami's caliber. And, and guys seem to really be kind of connecting with him early on. So we'll see how he does as an actual coach. But but as a recruiter, the early returns are good for that tandem. And, and that's, you know, we've talked a lot about Miami, Manny Diaz's um, willingness to, like, kind of self-evaluate and make adjustments when he does sees things not working. And, and this is another 
potential example of, of a move that uh, is going to pay off for him. Yeah, I love that Manny does that. Yeah, he's it's probably his biggest strength. He's smart. <laughs> he's he's really smart, and um, yeah, I he 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 does evaluate things very well, mm-hmm. um, and and does make the necessary changes. And now, you know, this is a key year for Manny, and it's not like he you know doesn't do anything. So. Um, you know, yeah, I, 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 it's going to be, I love DVD because I covered him and, um, you know, he's magnetic, big smile and, um, I, yeah, T-Rob and and the combination is going to be great for Miami and we'll see what happens with blades, you know, and how, how he's doing physically, um, but I, I think there's a lot to look forward to with this team. Um, defense, you know, defensively, a little nervous about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, offensively, question marks, but uh, I. It's hard not to feel good about the offense. But, yeah, I mean, this is a much bigger topic that will probably – it'll be a storyline throughout the season. But, as you mentioned – Manny's strength so far has been to, to show he can, you know, he's not afraid to, when something is wrong, he's not afraid to do something about it. The question is, is he, you know, and on offense, he's right done the right thing to fix what was wrong with the offense. Now that's, that's the question he faces on defense. Now he saw obviously something was wrong, which, you know, any good coach basically can, but it's a different whole other thing to see something's wrong and then do something about it. Not every coach has done that. How many Miami coaches have been felled by that in the last 10 years. Um, the question is, are the moves he made that going to be the right ones? Um, and that obviously remains to be seen and, and we'll kind of define this season uh, as we look ahead toward the fall. Uh, but let's wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Susan mm-hmm. on Twitter at S Miller Degnan. Uh, she will be up in Charlotte next week for ACC media day. So follow along with her there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Um, Maybe I'll help you out a little bit. We'll see. I'm, I'm on the road with some, for some Marlins stuff, but I, I love following media days. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens next week. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure I won't be very busy. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, thanks as always for listening, everyone. And we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>